All right, welcome back, history fans. We have another area of World War One to cover. So, if you remember, we just got done talking about Woodrow Wilson and his plea to Congress that we should enter the war, we meaning the United States, that is. So, uh, the United States did enter the war, and this is pretty much the beginning of the end for Germany. Uh, there's not too much war left, and if you remember, I did talk about earlier that a lot of the other countries were a little upset about America's like, Hey, great, thanks so much for joining us. We need your help. Reluctantly, you only showed up and did one year's worth of work. We've been dying for four total years. So, anyhow, this is the beginning of the end for Germany. So, uh, early 1918, we start to see Germany kind of falling apart. Uh, people were very upset with the monarchy, uh, meaning Kaiser Wilhelm II, and there was uh, just angry, um, angry city dwellers and people upset and the generals, the guy kind of the guys kind of in charge of the war, they said, "Hey, Kaiser Wilhelm, you probably should step down as leader because people are upset with you." So he did. Uh, Austria-Hungary, as I said, they were kind of in the same boat. Their country's falling apart. So, um, anyhow, the the main you know triple alliance, even though Italy's already bailed, is just kind of falling apart. And so, just to kind of make a big thing a little bit shorter here. Uh, this new German government uh, that is no longer having Kaiser at the helm. <laughs> Get it? Kaiser at the helm, like Kaiser. Well, okay, I'm going to move on. Um, you know, this new German government, they sought an armistice. And an armistice is an agreement to end fighting. And on the 11th hour of the 11th day, of the 11th month, the Great War ended. And translation-wise, that is 11 a.m., November 11th, 1918. The war to end all wars is over. But there's a part two coming later. Anyhow, we'll get into that. So, now, Woodrow Wilson, as I kind of alluded to, he, you know, he said, oh, we have no selfish means to serve here or anything like that. And that was true, because Woodrow Wilson, he, he was a peacemaker. Even though they went to war, his country went to war, um, he wanted to make sure that there was never going to be a war like this again. So he came up with this thing called Wilson's 14 Points, and part of it was the creation of the League of Nations. And we'll talk more about the League of Nations, but just to give you a quick definition right now, the League of Nations was a supranational organization, so it's larger than just one nation. Um, and we'll get into that. So, But anyhow, the 14 Points, that Woodrow Wilson wanted for the world to have, for that matter. Um, one being, uh, and granted, I'm taking these and I'm paraphrasing them a little bit just to make them easier for us to follow, but I'll give you the best I can here on these. Number one, no secret clauses in treaties, meaning if you attack one person, there's no kind of like hidden contract that says, hey, this person's going to attack you too. So no secret clauses in treaties. Number two, the seas should be free to travel in. Basically, you can't own water, unless it's like really close to you, then you can own that. But other than that, the ocean is free. If you're part of the League of Nations, which we mentioned just a moment ago, then you should be able to trade without discrimination with all countries that are part of it. So basically, there aren't going to be any like, I don't want to trade with you. It's like, if you're part of the League of Nations, everyone gets to trade with everyone. Number four, everyone should reduce the size of the military, because how can you fight a war if everyone has small or no militaries? Number five, the colonies of all the countries that were conquered at the end of World War I should be divided up fairly and in the best interests of the people that belong to those countries or live in those countries or claim nationalities of those countries. Six, the recognizing of independent states that formed because of the Russian Revolution. Now, like I said, we talked briefly about the Russian Revolution, but there was a big shakeup, so new countries got created, so those countries should be recognized as 
sovereign countries. And we'll get into this more in depth when we get into the Russian Revolution unit, which is next. All right. Belgium needs to be free and recognized because the Germans, they march through there. So they need to leave, and that needs to be a new country again, or a, an existing country, but like free new country kind of thing. Number eight, all French territory should be restored and free. Because remember, the Germans got within five miles of Paris. Number nine, Italy should be adjusted according to nationality. Now, um, we talked a little bit about this one kind of already when we did our imperialism nationalism unit because we talked about how there was all these different people that felt different ways within um, all of Italy and that was you know King Victor Emmanuel II, um, Camillo di Cavour, Giuseppe Garibaldi, those kind of people so anyhow we should uh, you know kind of adjust it accordingly because they kind of won they kind of didn't win kind of thing. All right, number 10, the people of Austria-Hungary should remain in control of the country. We shouldn't see any unnecessary shakeups, like, I don't know, separating Austria-Hungary into two separate countries, Austria and Hungary. Yeah, if you can't figure it out, Wilson doesn't get his way. All right, number 11 is a little long-winded. I'll do my best. Romania, Serbia, and Montenegro should be evacuated, occupied territories restored. Serbia, according to free and secure access of the sea and the relations of the several Balkan states to one another, determined by friendly council. I can't do this. It's all one. There's like there's no period in here. So basically, what it comes down to: Romania, Serbia, Montenegro, get out of those countries. Okay, um, all areas should be you know kind of given back to the people. Serbia, uh, especially, should be accorded some freedom and secure access to the sea, so no more Austria-Hungarian control kind of thing. And um, also the relations of several Balkan states um, should be determined by, like, a council of people get together and figure out, well, what should be, we should look at the history here and different alliances and nationality um, and kind of, like, try to figure out where they should go from here. And we'll give some international guarantees as far as, like, political and economic independence for this area. Um, and, yeah, basically they can kind of work together if they want. There should be freedom if they want. Basically let these countries that have been taken over decide where they want to go from there. Um, number 12, the Turkish portion of the present Ottoman Empire should be assured a secure sovereignty. Basically the Turk Turkish portion given freedom. Uh, but the other nationalities which are now under Turkish rule should be assured undoubted security of life and absolute unmolested opportunity of autonomous development. So the other areas that are still under their control, they should be eventually given freedom too. All right, 13, an independent Polish state should be erected and have access to the sea, if, um, basically meaning let's make Poland a country. And finally, number 14, a general association of nations must be formed under civic covenants for the purpose of affording mutual guarantees of political independence and territorial integrity uh, to great and small states alike. Basically, let's make a big group of nations and an association of nations. Let's bring them all together, and hopefully we can make sure that there's no other problems in the future. And so... The big three got together, that meaning Woodrow Wilson from the United States, David Lloyd George from Great Britain, George's Benjamin Clemenceau, also nicknamed the Tiger, from France. Uh, those three come together, and they're like, all right, Wilson's like, great, I got these points. Let's be, I'm gonna, I want to be the reformer, and I want peace in the future. All right, so David Lloyd George from Great Britain is like, yeah, Germany, we're going to treat them terribly. They owe us money, and we're going to make Britain strong and them weak. And then George's uh, Benjamin Cumanso, the Taiga from France, 
He says, yep, Germany, we want them so weak that they could never, ever attack again. So guess what? Two versus one. You can figure out who loses. Sorry, Wilson. He had to compromise on many of the points he came up with. And he really, really stuck with the League of Nations thing. He really wanted the collective security. And collective security is a system in which a group of nations, or a League of Nations, acts as one to preserve the peace of all. So basically this one giant group. Um, and that the idea behind this is if we have this group big together, then everyone would... Um, you know, be safe if everyone acted as one, like a school of fish. Ah, that's a good example. I like that. All right, so anyhow, those are the ideas for this 14 points, and we're going to see um, kind of what happens to allow those 14 points, and that comes with the Treaty of Versailles. So if Wilson got his way, it probably wouldn't be as harsh as this sounds, but let's get into the Treaty of Versailles. So June 1919, peacemakers summoned representatives from the new German Republic to the Palace of Versailles just outside of Paris, and the Germans were ordered to sign the treaty. So yeah, there's not a lot of wiggle room here. So the Germans had to sign this thing that basically said, hey, look, you are completely 100% responsible for the war, the war guilt clause, even though Germany really was just kind of uh, making good on their blank check. They had to pay huge reparations, and reparations are payment for economic injuries suffered during war. And that was $33 billion back then, which would be like half a trillion dollars in today's money, something like that. Uh, they all weakened the, uh, Germany greatly. They, do, um, they did this by limiting the size of the German military. Uh, they had to return land that they had conquered back to France. They, were, they had to remove hundreds of square miles of territory from western and eastern Germany, so Germany shrank. Uh, they took away Germany's overseas colonies. They demilitarized the Rhineland, meaning they took all the military that was in this area known as the Rhineland, which will come into focus when we get into World War II. They put heavy restrictions on the German Navy. Uh, Germany was not allowed to produce any poison gas, um, just local production, import, export, you name it, not allowed to have it. They weren't allowed to have tanks, submarines, military aircraft, and all artillery are prohibited. And some of their territory even got split up, not just reduced. And basically, the end of the war, the kind of like what happened because of all of this. So obviously, Germany takes the war guilt clause, but they're like, well, what happened to Austria-Hungary? What happened to all those? In a nutshell, the big major things to happen is Austria-Hungary did get split up. New nations were formed, including Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, and then Poland we'll talk about as well. Germany was soured by this whole experience, and that caused a lot of resentment within Germany, which I don't know might lead to World War II. We'll get to that one. And then back in the United States, remember Wilson had to give up on a lot of his ideas, but he did not budge about the League of Nations. And so he goes back home and he's like, all right, let's sign this League of Nations. And 39 senators in the United States were like, nope, not going to do it. And the reason they didn't like it is because of that whole like school of fish mentality of like, you, you know, like we're all working together. They didn't want to back up other countries with our military. It's like, wait a minute, why are we fighting another country's war for them? So the public, um, gen general people in the United States, same thing. They did not like this idea. They did not want to send our troops over to die in a war that we didn't start. So everyone wanted to kind of be isolationists or just left alone. We said, nope, no more. And um, to top it all off, we, you know, kind of going along with the, the theme of Woodrow Wilson and keeping peace, he did not think that the Treaty of Versailles was a good thing, um, thought it was way too harsh to Germany. And if we were too harsh to Germany, it could cause World War II, which it kind of did. So uh, the United States never signed the Treaty of Versailles. We actually signed a similar one 
that just wasn't quite as harsh, and that was the Treaty of Berlin. And so ends World War One. But don't wait, don't worry. There's more because we're going to kind of backtrack a little bit our next one and talk about the end of World War One, meaning the Russian Revolution. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Stay tuned. There's always more. <laughs>